What's going on? Howie Spangler here. Sales from the Green Room. This is uh, episode 109. I'm your host. I'm always your host. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, we gotta, we're doing another live stream. Ballyhoo's going to do a live stream um, April 16th. Thursday, April 16th, so mark your calendars. And we're trying to figure out something special to do. And, you know, play different songs and things like that. The last one was, like, really successful. Um, everyone seems to be enjoying it still, actually, from last week, so that's great. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun seeing the reactions. Uh, I put up a new song last night on my YouTube, YouTube channel. Um, it's called Social Drinker. It's a song I've been working on for a while. Um, just thinking about how uh, I just really, like, I hate drinking anymore. You know, it's like, I get the urges when I'm around people that are drinking as well. And if I see one on TV, like somebody cracking a beer, I'm like, I want to crack a beer. You know, it's like weird. It's this weird social thing. So that's kind of where I came up with that, social drinker. Like, I don't really ever feel like it on my own, you know? It's like, I don't care. I don't really keep beer in the house too too often bottle of wine sometimes but you know and uh the song's about that just kind of like uh i don't want to hang out with you guys because i get i get wasted every time it sucks you know because the hangovers suck now you know and uh i feel like there's a lot of people out there just like that where it's kind of like i could do without it not a big deal but then everybody else is doing it so you join in and then you go too far and you feel terrible the next day and it's just awful so that's what that song's about uh but go check it out it's on my youtube channel right now um, also did uh, something called Devil Dub. Um, Kyle from uh, Revolution did kind of tag me up. He did this uh, the Roots Rhythm Challenge hashtag. Uh, all his uh, producer friends. So I joined in. It was fun. Give, gave me another reason to mess around. I've been uh, messing around with uh, Studio One and Machine lately. So I use. I'm normally a Pro Tools guy, and I know I know Logic pretty well. And so I wanted to learn a new DAW. And uh, Machine is his own doll, really. So really, two new dolls. But <clears throat> kind of using, learning how to use the the MK3 uh, for all you nerds out there. Um, the MK3, the uh, with all the pads on it and everything. Um, using that to make the beats and everything. I, I got one of those uh, complete control uh, 32M keyboard or M32. Um, so it's been a lot of fun, you know, taking the this this weird time and trying to learn some new stuff so i hope you're doing the same i hope you're using the time uh making the most of it and uh, trying to learn like a new uh skill or you know something you always wanted to do now is the time uh so today i have on the show uh the singer of a band called protagonist uh based out of florida but they're all living all over the country now uh, one of them, uh, the guitar, one of the guitar players is, uh, Brian, Brian Maiden from, uh, less than Jake fame. He's a, he's, he was their, their tech stage tech for a while and guitar guy. Um, and he's in the band. I thought that was cool. Uh, Peter Marullo joins us today. So we're going to talk about, um, you know, punk rock. And we talked a lot about movies, a lot of great movies, especially from the eighties. He's a horror buff, which is cool. Um, and uh, we should get Shudder to 
uh, sponsor this podcast because I talked a lot about that. He really pushed it. Um, yeah, and just the music industry and, you know, all that fun stuff. So uh, here's Peter Marullo from Protagonist. This is Tales from the Green Room. Let's do it. Like Christopher Walken in True Romance. Oh, okay. Okay. Dude, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in so long. It holds up. I actually watched it um, sometime this year, and it, it, it definitely holds up. It's one of those movies that um, me and my friend have this kind of a similar thing. Like, if we run into a friend who hasn't seen it, then, like, we make sure to show them. Right. That's how That's how we are with... Uh... Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, that, that's that's the other one I do it to. <laughs> that's that's a must see. Well, my favorite. Uh, so, uh, Peter, what's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, nothing much. I mean, we're kind of in. We are not kind of in. We are in uncertain and crazy times for sure. You know? Certainly. Yeah, it's, um, it's I mean, very weird. You know, I I haven't even left my house in like several days, which is obviously for somebody who's just like mid thirties, working full time. Like that's kind of, kind of a crazy thought to think that I haven't even stepped foot outside in a couple of days. So um, it's definitely weird vibes all around. What, what about you down there in Baltimore and stuff? Uh, you know, we're it's it's interesting. I mean, they, they just gave us the. Uh, shelter <laughs> shelter in place uh, mandate yesterday um and uh it's it's not complete shutdown like don't leave your house it's it's just like don't leave your house unless you absolutely have to um yeah and you know it's I, i'm sure more more places are closing and things like that um i i'm lucky enough to you know be in a position where i work from home to begin with and i i create my work, you know, so it's not like, uh, I'm super dependent on getting a paycheck every week kind of thing. Like, uh, so I'm very lucky in that way. Um, there, but you know, I know people that are out of work for the moment and, uh, that's, that's gotta be scary and weird. Yeah. You know, I, I feel pretty, um, lucky that, you know, I do, um, when I'm not doing band stuff, I work in uh, video editing and, and marketing, so I'm able to do that remotely. And um, I mean, I, I know it's it's pretty scary out there for. Um, I mean, even those of us who are working remote, because you know, I mean, things are so just kind of rocky and uncertain. It's kind of um, it's hard to predict about like two months out, which is a weird thought from a, a business perspective, you know? Yeah, yeah, we're. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about you know the summer tour and stuff. And it just seems like a, why are we even talking about this? You know, like, I mean, you, you got to think about it. You got to, you got to still plan, you know, and try to put some things in place. And, uh, everybody's kind of on the same page. So it's, you know, it's, if it doesn't happen, it's, I guess it'll be understood, but it's just like, how much longer can we, can we go without doing real shows? And, um, you know, I don't know. Just when, when, when do things get back to business as usual? Very crazy. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I've been watching, um, the tours 
um, that have been lined up. You know, everything from stuff starting in late March that, you know, would have already happened to stuff um, throughout the summer. And I keep seeing stuff further and further out get canceled. And, um, you know, the guitar player of my band, uh, Brian, who's also my best friend, he tours with bands. So he, um, he tours with Dashboard Confessional. He tours with Young the Giant. He's previously toured with uh, Lesson Jake and Newfound Glory. But all his stuff through, I mean, I think through September is canceled. So that's like, you know, horrifying for him because that's his main source of, of income, you know? Right. So, and I, I know other people that are in, you know, similar, um, similar boats that, you know, they work for bands or they're in bands that work for time. And it's just, uh, I mean, unprecedented, I think is the, uh, the correct phrase for what we're sort of witnessing and simultaneously dealing with, you know? Yeah. I know Brian, he's a good dude. Um, Oh yeah. Brian, Brian is solid. Yeah. I've been on several tours with him. You've, uh, you've, yeah, you've done some of those lesson Jake tours, right? Yeah. Lesson Jake, real big fish. Which is is like, you know, obviously we're, we've been good friends with them. I think that's how, um, we initially met is a uh, protagonist of Bally who played the, uh, wake and bake. Festival. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it was the first, the first annual wake and bake festival. Yeah. Um, that was at the, uh, the high dive. And, uh, um, they are like, the, you know, a biased opinion, but they are the, uh, the most fun band to tour with. No doubt. I mean, yeah, they're, they're ridiculous. Like I, I I caught their set because um, we haven't toured together in a in a few years. I think the last the last thing we did with those guys was Warp Tour in uh, twenty sixteen. So it had been uh, last year. It was last year when I saw them. So it was like three years, and we caught them. We happened to be playing in the same town the same night, and so before our set, uh, our set kind of got rained out. It was pretty bad. So um, I ended up doing an acoustic set later, but. So we were able to uh, scoot over to their show and um, for a little bit, and I just forgot how hilarious they are. Like they just pull things out of their ass and just, just it's really entertaining. Yeah, I mean, Chris makes is, I mean the the stage banter is the best, the goat. He's the goat, you know. He's the uh, the Chris Jericho of uh, <laughs> yeah, um, in between song banter, no doubt. Yeah, we we did a, an acoustic tour together him and I, uh, he and I, him and I, um, <laughs> back in January, it was, uh, me and Chris and Jason from authority zero and, uh, span meager Kings. And, uh, this guy Gabe from Fayuka and, uh, just every night, like just, just him by himself, acoustic, you know, like he was having some guitar issues and like, he just turned into a stand up comedy set for, you know, 40 minutes. It was insane. And he had the whole place yeah, laughing. His, yeah, his, his like his pace with that kind of stuff is just—it's like a relentless. Like yeah. just, it's almost like a, a punk rock Rodney Dangerfield. If you ever listen to the old Rodney Dangerfield um, comedy specials, yeah. or like the, the you know like the old HBO ones, it's just like uh, kind of a, a machine gun staccato, like rapid pace. Like it's just does not does not give up one bit. That is a perfect explanation it's just one thing after another constantly <laughs> just you get hammered and uh yeah he's really really good at that i i envy that i love when i love like i'm always like 
in, insanely jealous of the, of the people that can pull that off. Just like they're so witty, so talented uh, with their words and the, and the things they're thinking of and just putting with way they're the way they're able to frame things up and get it out there in a way that just, it just makes the room just go nuts. I just I envy that so much. I love it. And it's never really the same either, which is like a thing yeah. of like touring with that band or seeing that band play every day. It's just, it's always, uh, always new stuff. And also I, I think, uh, you know, another kind of shout out to Lesson Jake is, uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, bands like Lesson Jake, you know, the, the ones that kind of hit in that mid nineties punk or like third wave explosion, you know, like you always hear people talk about Hello Rock View or, or Losing Street or Anthem, which I think Anthem's probably my personal favorite uh, out of like that classic era of Less Than Jake, but um, they consistently put out solid records. And not even solid records, because that makes it sound like it's like, well, this is all right, but they consistently put out great records. Yeah. They're, um, their record from what, what was it, 2013, See the Light. Mm-hmm. Um, is up there to me with Hello Rock View and Losing Streak and Anthem. I just think it's um, phenomenal. They're one of those bands that just stays stays the course, and the the longevity, you know, comes from that. Just being able to, they don't they don't really change the sound. They don't really do anything. You know, it's just they're good at what they do. You know, and they they keep up with that, and their fans appreciate it. And yeah, they're just able to keep putting out good stuff. I mean, they're good songwriters. You know. Yeah, I, I definitely have had them on in the house lately. And I, I mean, to me, Lesson Jake is like summer day good vibes, you know? Yeah. And I've definitely been uh, yearning for some of those. So I've definitely like, if I'm cooking or just like doing something like in my room, I, I, I you know, I'll put on one of their records or just put on like a Lesson Jake playlist on shuffle and just, you know, um, try to kind of bulldoze through my day. So, so fuck yeah, listen, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) So are you, uh, so you're from Florida, right? Yeah. You know, I'm originally from uh, Pennsylvania, but, uh, my parents moved down to Florida with us in, um, like, uh, late 1996. So I spent those formative years. I was there from 1996 to late 2007. So I spent, you know, um, like half of middle school, all of high school and all of college down in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. Oh, right on. That's cool. Uh, Which is where, like, you know, where, where the band formed and um, kind of where we uh, made our bones, um, so to speak. Okay. Uh, what, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, when did you get into punk rock? When, when, when did you decide you want to be in a band? Um, I, you know, uh, me and my brother, and my brother is the, uh, the you know, the other guitar player and protagonist and the founder of the band. And we came from one of those households where music was always being played. So, you know, our parents had a pretty vast record collection and um, constantly and consistently listened to music and bought music. So, you know, I was in third grade when my dad sat down with me and made me my first mixtape. <laughs> and um, they were always um, really cool and supportive. And like, you know, if we'd go to the mall, like, you know, our mall in Pennsylvania was the Exton Square Mall. And um, 
I'm sure you remember is like a flashback back to the late 80s, early 90s, even the late 90s. But uh, our mall had two record stores. There was Record Town on the top level, and then the bottom level had Sam Goody. Uh So there was like no shortage of music purchasing options, you know? And that was kind of the... uh, the heyday of the uh, the singles, like the cassette singles. Yeah. So you know, I remember going to my going to the mall with my mom during the summer, and like, you know, you'd be watching MTV all morning, and then you'd you know kind of like figure out what you wanted to buy you know, at the record store. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I would say that is really the gateway for me and my brother, and um. You know, my brother is two years older than me, so, you know, I'm about, like, eight or nine when this is going down, and he's, of course, a little bit older. So he really gets sucked into, like, the Nirvana explosion. You know, the kind of the post-Nevermind pre-in-utero days of the band. Mm -hmm. And he became obsessed. It became his favorite band. And that really opened him up into, um, that was his gateway into the punk rock. You know, he then discovered um, Sex Pistols. Um, Minor Threat became his next favorite band. And then through that, he discovered the local punk rock scene in our area of Pennsylvania, which would be like the Westchester suburbs of Philadelphia. Yeah. And, um, you know, me and my brother have a collective favorite band, uh, The Boils, still to this day. And uh, bands like Violent Society, Plow United, um, The Halflings. Super High Five, and those were bands that were, you know, I mean, strictly in our area and releasing their own seven inches and booking out different kind of Legion halls and VFW halls. So it was really kind of those, um, you know, sort of a conglomeration of those sounds and those DIY punk ethics that were incorporated into what we wanted to do with protagonist. But to kind of circle back on the initial question, you know, my brother got really into that stuff. And I was I was obsessed with The Doors at the time, which is still like a, a favorite, top favorite band of mine. And, um, you know, I slowly started to get stuff trickling down to me. So, you know, I got like the Sex Pistols, Nevermind the Bullocks CD for Christmas, I think when I was in fifth grade. I got... I remember buying Black Flag Wasted Again at Sam Woody uh, during one of those memorable summer days. Um, I got the Operation Ivy uh, Energy Discography, which, um, you know, that still gets constant rotation. Like, I'm glad that stuff has never really um, faded from my sight, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I assume... I assume being in Ballyhoo, I assume there's an appreciation or a mutual appreciation that we both have for a band like Op Ivy. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, man. I've, I found them uh, because of Green Day. They used to push them them guys hard because um, they were all homies back in the day, <clears throat> playing playing uh, <clears throat> at Gilman Street together. And um, I bought that record. It's got like, what, almost 30 songs, or like 27 songs, something like that. Um, and... Uh, yeah, just fell in love with it. Uh, sound system and um, Bad Town and all that. Like, just take warning, just great songs. And it was so raw, you know. Um, and that was the first time that I I, I realized later that because um, I always thought that like my first dip into 
ska, punk, reggae, anything like that was, was Goldfinger and Sublime. Um, but I, it turns out that I was listening to, you know, ska punk, you know, in Operation Ivy back in 94, you know, like I didn't, I didn't realize at the time what I was listening to. I just, I just knew I liked it. And, uh, cause I always point to like Goldfinger was like kind of my first like realization, like, holy shit, this is, this is great. Like he's mixing punk rock and ska and reggae and I, it's so melodic. And I, this is right up my alley. Um, cause I was, Green Day is my favorite band. So I was listening to that and it felt like is Green Day still your favorite band? Yeah. Yeah. Still. And, uh, awesome. Awesome. what do you think of the new record? Um, you know, it's, uh, I, <laughs> I can't say I've had it on repeat, you know, it's, and it's been that way for a couple releases now. Like it's, I just, I, lo- I love the band. I, lo- I do love everything they do. I have a big appreciation for it. it. Makes me feel like I'm 13 again every time I hear them, you know. But uh, <laughs> but I do I do like I do long for that return to Insomniac, you know, uh, Nimrod, American Idiot sound. You know, I'll, I'll I'll take that that big arena rock sound again. American Idiot was a great record and. Um, you know, it's kind of cool for people to shit on that record. And I mean, that's, you know, if that's not one of the greatest comeback stories of all time, like, yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah, you know? I mean, come on. They can... It's like the, the punk rock or even like big, just radio rock, whatever you want to call it, yeah. like version of like a Rocky movie, you know? Yeah. It's like the Rocky Six of, of fucking punk records. Yeah. I just, they, they just, you know, 10 years later, you come you come out again and it's just like, boom, you know, because like they were still like a big band at that point, but they hadn't really done anything at at that level, you know, for almost 10 years. So like when they put that out, it was just like, Holy shit. And it was like the right time. It was the right content. It was, um, all the songs slammed. And then the idea of it being a concept record and everything, that was great. Um, and, uh, you have a favorite green day song. Yeah, it's probably, I, it's, I always say probably because, it, there's always a couple that are bouncing around my head, but like Armitage Shanks uh, is the opening track on Insomniac. And that, I don't know what it, what it is about that song. It's so simply done like most old Green Day songs, but um, the, the drums are duke, 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 and, and like just the, the melody and the guitars and the way that it just kind of hammers along the whole time for two and a half minutes. Um, you know, and I saw them play that on the VMAs in 94 and you'd think they'd play something like basket case or when I come around, you know, one of the big hits, but they played that song, which hadn't even, wasn't going to be released for a whole year. Like it had, nobody knew what it was. It was a brand new song that wasn't recorded yet. And so that they did that a lot back in the day. They played like songs that weren't singles. And, um, I just remember thinking like, Holy shit, that's awesome. And we opened with that. That was our first show. Uh, our, our opener at our first show uh, in 1996, March 1st, at our high school. And uh, so that song has always stuck with me. But going to Pasalacqua is like, I don't know. That, that's, I think it's track six, maybe, on um, 39 Smooth, their first record. I love that song yeah. so much, man. So much. Um, Oh God, what will last forever? You and I too. It's just like, I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of love songs, you know. Yeah, that oh, it's just oh, that record's so good. And you know, that's actually another um, um, 
record that was one that I bought early on was uh, Kerplunk. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I love that record. That record is so good. Yeah, one for the Razorbacks is great. And obviously 2,000 Light Years Away and 80. And just there's so many great songs on that record. Like they just, that's another band that's just consistent. They're just, Billy Joe's a great songwriter. And uh, it was, the the formula was simple. And it's it's kind of like, kind of like the like I'm not a huge like all knowing Beatles head or anything. I do I I do appreciate the Beatles like a lot of their songs, but like it's it's like that in a way. Like the approach to songwriting is just like simple. And even Nirvana, like as kind of weird and stuff, like as weird as it was at sometimes, like it was very simple songwriting. And the melodies were cool and easy to remember, and uh, the lyrics were pretty wild and out there. But ultimately, the music it was just very simple you know, and that, that kind of, there's something about that, 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 that helps it stick around longer. You know, it's like timeless. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, I think part of that, you know, like the punk explosion of the nineties, or at least, you know, the, you know, 1994 being that like, that was the um, year. Yeah. It's extraordinary year is that, you know, kids like, you know, my brother, or like you guys, you know, at that time, were able to just kind of pick up the instruments and, and go at it. You know, I mean, it's um, definitely a, a special time. Uh, I think a time that'll be looked back in the history books. Um, you know, if someone's writing a rock and roll book, like a hundred years from now, they'll look back, you know, at that year specifically. Absolutely. Um, it was definitely the year of it, punk too. Just, just, just the idea that, like you had, you had a uh, smash came out um, by the offspring. You had Dookie and Nirvana was still, still pretty big at that point before Kurt died. Um, it was just, yeah, there was a lot going on. And I, I believe uh punk and Drubla came out that year. It's just a good year for punk rock. Yeah. I, uh, my girlfriend, Randy, she, her, uh, like the most important record to her is Dookie. And so I, I bought that record for her for Christmas this year. And she uh, definitely shed some tears due to it's like importance in her life and like her love of punk rock. And it's just kind of cool to see a record that's now, I mean, what? Uh, Dookie's 26 years old this year. Yeah. It's just and it's crazy. just cool to see a record of that age have that kind of, you know, still have that kind of effect on people. Um, yeah. You know, it's, the, the the power not just sentimentally but just the power of music the power of punk rock you know it's like so something to always um strive for when we're we're writing songs and putting out records you know not, not that like my band will ever be on a, a level like green day i mean you always hope you will but like the realistic expectations but i, I hope that somebody can listen to a protagonist record or a protagonist song and be able to have that, that kind of effect, you know, that, that, that's more meaningful to me than like filling out a, a huge arena or a huge venue is like having that, that special connection with somebody, you know, I mean, that, that, to, to me, that's why, um, you know, why I think I, why we all have kept with uh, protagonists over the years. Cause you know, we, uh, last year was our, our technically our, our 20th year as a band, you know, there's been, of course, uh, the highs and lows of any kind of, you know, small to mid-level band. Um, you know, you know, 
we're all in our mid to late thirties and, you know, we all live around the country. I'm in Boston. Um, Brian's in Gainesville. Kyle's out of Fort Lauderdale and my brother's in San Francisco and our bass players in LA, but it's that, um, you know, that just love of music, love of punk rock and the kind of the brotherhood camaraderie that like is the glue, you know? Yeah. When you get together and play, that's, that's what you, it's like what you live for. Like yeah, everything, everything know, leads this, back uh, to that. Yeah. There's this quote that I think it's a, it's a Jim Morrison quote. And I think he used it to describe the doors, but it's uh, like, uh, I think the quote is uh, an hour of magic when they would get together. Uh, I like to think of it like that, but for, for me, I like to think of it as a, a half hour of magic. <laughs> they, our, our, our sets tend to be like 30 to 45. But, half hour of power. Yeah, half hour of power. <laughs> so, no, it's um, great. It, it, kind of circling on, you know, talking about, I guess, the connection of records and music is the uh, the album that we put out in 2009 on Paper and Plastic. It's called The Chronicle. And it seems like that to a lot of people is, uh, you know, a record that uh, holds a special spot at least when relating it to protagonists, to paper and plastic. And, um, you know, it's weird and uncertain times, as we were saying before, but uh, next week we have scheduled a, uh, a release coming out on paper and plastic, and it's called Fallout from the Chronicle. It's a collection of, uh, like, rarities and, and covers. And three of the songs are original, and we put them out separately last year as singles. And uh, we have a cover from violent society. We have three boils covers and then two acoustic songs. So it's like cool to have all that stuff, um, collected in one place for, uh, for, for people to hear. And it's our like first kind of stab at like, uh, here's some unreleased songs, here's some covers. So, um, we're, we're all pretty excited about that. And it's, uh, something fun to kind of focus on during these like crazy times, you know, it's a, yeah, to step out of like CNN and kind of go into into something creative, like a creative output. So you know that that's kind of what what we got going on in the uh, the immediate future, which is um, you know considering all the aspects, um, exciting exciting to be doing. Fallout from the Chronicles, yeah, I like that. It, that's fun, man. That's that's wonderful. It's like uh, I always like <clears throat> there's there's so many like a lot of bands record a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, we had some, some, some B sides and things laying around as well. And we, we did that same thing several years back where we, we put out a record called medium rare, which is like songs that weren't quite done yet. You know, that was the idea. And it was just like some, a collection of like some live songs that we actually played pretty well and that recorded. Okay. And, uh, cause it was always like, uh, we didn't have any multi-track back then. It was just like a stereo board recording and hopefully it was mixed decently from the, from the console during the show. So we had a few of those and then we had some, some B sides from records that, you know, some songs that just, we didn't feel like were good for the record, but like, Hey, they're still cool. We should put them out at some point. So it was like a, like 18 tracks or something like that, you know? And the, the fans love that, you know, we put it on Bandcamp for like 10 bucks uh, years ago and um, we sold a bunch of them and, uh, I don't know. It's just fun for fans to find that stuff. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, now is a, I mean, I, I, I don't really think it could be argued that now is a, a great time to be releasing music. Um, just, I mean, certainly based off the fact that everybody is, you know, a shelter in place and at home and, you know, hungry for, uh, hungry for content. I mean, let's take Tiger King, for example. Like, that <laughs> is zany and wild enough that th- that would have been, that would have picked up steam. But, you know, all, it's like this meme culture mixed with like word of mouth and it's like the biggest thing <laughs> the biggest thing in the world right now you know? <laughs> it really is beyond uh donald trump's like crazy uh crazy briefings every day yeah <laughs> yeah that that show i haven't uh i'm i'm like just afraid to step into that show right now like i just i'm so busy <laughs> you know i feel like i'm gonna get stuck to the tv um yeah i just been hearing so many wonderful things about that show uh yeah, you know, I was talking to my brother last night. He's kind of like, I have no interest in watching that. And I kind of told him, I was like, it's an actually, it's an interesting escape from, from what's going on in the world right now because it's just like a bunch of, you know, I mean, seemingly crazy, like fucked up individuals that run like tigers. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's pretty, uh, you know, and it's it's a short one. It's like, I feel like my attention span is kind of shot right now and the kind of my nerves and anxiety are like at an all time high. So to jump into like a six or seven episode show is kind of, kind of relieving than trying to dive into like a four season, like episodic thing. But I I definitely recommend uh, checking it out. Yeah. I'm definitely going to cave at some point. I feel it coming. I watched the trailer last night and I was like, Oh my God, this looks wild. Um, and then obviously seeing Twitter and memes and stuff, I'm just like, okay, this seems like something I should probably watch. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm like that with a lot of shows. Like I don't like to start shows. Like I, I don't like getting emotionally invested into characters. You know, like I, I it's just, I, I feel like I have so much going on all the time and I don't need something else taking away from <laughs> like the, everything else, you know? Yeah, and it's just like, you know, a lot of the great shows out there right now, um, or at least I think the ones that I'm normally drawn to have pretty dark characters. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I still have two seasons to watch of Better Call Saul, and it's like, I just can't find my, I don't know, I can't find the like, maybe I'm making excuses to find the time to like sit down and kind of dive into those dark characters. Like, um, you know, I've been uh, watching over FaceTime with my girlfriend, Walking Dead, and like that's been a bit hard to kind of get through because of its like really dark, like post-apocalyptic zombie uprising like content that it deals with. Yeah. But um, uh, you know, like the the other day we tore through over FaceTime uh, some of the Jersey Shore family vacation stuff and. <laughs> You know, say what you want about Jersey Shore and, like, reality TV, but it was just so nice to, like, tear through, like, three or four episodes of that and just, like, you know, it was kind of the escape I needed that night for sure. Yeah, I, uh, reality TV is interesting. I I obviously see the appeal for sure. Um, YouTubers have made a killing off of that format. Um, but uh, we've been watching this show lately, me, me and my girl, um, she watches this show. What's it called? 
so I can't I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's like uh, I think it's on Bravo or something. But it's like uh, people that run like a charter boat service. Um, what the hell is it called? Uh, anyway, like these super rich trust fund people like rent out a boat for a couple days for like a weekend, and then these this is all about the crew that like deals with all that, and it was very entertaining. I mean, plus the locations are beautiful. It's always like an Island or somewhere in some beautiful water, you know, somewhere a beach. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It was just fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the last one I saw was like a couple episodes, um, of like these like mouth breather meathead dudes that like the guys just rich because of his parents and they're all just disrespectful, just complete assholes. And like, they're, they're the dudes that like, they stand there with the champagne bottle and he's like, got a, he's got like a small dagger and he's like, he's holding the bottle outwards, pointing it away and like swiping at the top at the, at the, the cork to, to get it to explode off of there. But most of the time he breaks the top off the bottle and glass gets everywhere and people are stepping on him. They're bleeding and shit. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so I was like, I got to watch more of this, you know? So I definitely see that it, th- Those are those like completely turn your brain off you know, shows you're like, I'm not thinking about shit. I'm just going to watch these people, just these disturbed, troubled people just deal with that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Never, I never, never did. I think I would say like the world needs more Wahlburgers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, um, yeah. So what, what do you, uh, so you're 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 releasing some new stuff. You, when is that coming out? You said like next week. You said, yeah, it's coming out April 10th. So April, uh, next Friday. Next Friday. Oh, April 10th is next Friday, huh? Nice. I got a Resident Evil three on pre order, baby. PS four. Is is because there's like a demo of that out, right? Yes. Is it as crazy as everybody says? Oh, I love it, man. It's a uh, they they. So I'm a big Resident Evil fan since '96 when the first one came out, but like. Resident Evil Seven is easiest, easily the 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 uh, the scariest, most terrifying of all the Resident Evil games. It's first person. It's very real looking. It's like it's wild. Um, and I played it in VR oh, recently. First person. Yeah, it's a first person shooter basically, and it is so creepy. You're in this house and like. You're, you have to like the, the first like major thing you have to do is like not be seen. You have to like kind of make your way through the house without being seen by like the dad at this house. And he's like, you don't understand what's happening, but like, he's, he's kind of, he's very strong. He's kind of, he's basically, they're all monsters, but, uh, oh, it's so creepy. He's like looking for, he's like, I'm going to find you and shit like that. And you think you're making it. He busts through the wall and he grabs you like just shit like that. It is so scary. Like your your girlfriend, like she's been missing for like three years and you find her and then later she finds you, but she's got a chainsaw. She's attacking you and it's like the scariest shit ever. Um, so they remade Resident Evil 2, which was probably my favorite Resident Evil game uh, from 98 when it came out. And they remade oh, yeah, it. I remember that on the, uh, the original PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. So they remade it. And, um, it, it was so great. They, they redid the whole thing. Like the, 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 they built it on the new RE engine and it's like over the shoulder cam kind of thing. So it's not fully first person. Uh, 
but it just looks great. The, the, the sounds, everything's very scary. And like Mr. X walks around he's like, it, it, you hear his footsteps and shit. It's, it's awesome. So they built, uh, the remake for resident evil three on the same engine. So they were able to crank it out pretty quickly. And I'm playing the demo. I've already played it like four times. I, I love it. It's great. And you can even easily tell that, uh, nemesis, the, 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 uh, the antagonist in this one is, uh, is even worse than Mr. X. I don't know. It just looks like it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. That's my nerd shit. And you mentioned it's, it's in VR. Like, do you know if it, I, I recently got a, an Oculus quest, you know if it's going to be on that? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I know that uh, Resident Evil Seven. I believe it's multi-platform. I believe you can get. You know, I know it's on Xbox and some other stuff. I'm not sure if it's on Oculus or not. Um, the Oculus is one of the things that I that I haven't looked into yet. I, my my brother has um, a PS4 VR, so we played it on that. But uh, yeah, I would definitely look into it if you could, if it, if it's available for Oculus, you should get it because it is like it's so scary, dude. It's great. Yeah, there's one on the Oculus that I like. I go to download. I mean, I love horror movies. Like a big part of my uh, my life is uh, going to the movies. I mean, before the uh, the COVID nineteen outbreak of 2020, like I go to the movies like three four times a week. Oh, cool! And um, we have quite a few great theaters here in Boston. Like as far as independent cinemas go. We have uh, the Coolidge Corner Theater. We have the Brattle, Somerville Theater, Harvard Film Archive. And a lot of them show, you know, um, what are now considered to be rare 35 millimeter prints of movies, you know, that they source through collectors. Um, I, I, I even own a few myself. I have uh, Phantasm, which is my favorite movie on 35 millimeter. I have uh, John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Um, I have. Don Coscarelli's Jim, the world's greatest. Um, but you know, I go see a lot of Friday night and, uh, Saturday night, midnight movies of like all kinds of horror and exploitation, but there's a, an exorcist game for Oculus quest. And you think that's like a no brainer. Let me download this. Mm -hmm. But I was reading the reviews and I was just like, this is fucking horrifying. Really? Like you're in a house and you're wandering around and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can, uh, I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how resident evil seven is. Like you're in this house and it's dark and the house is disgusting. There's shit everywhere. And you wake up and you're at a table. Just, I remember that scene in um, Texas chainsaw when uh, she's at the dinner table with the freaky ass family and oh, she's like yeah, chained definitely. up. That's kind of what it's like. It's like that you're like, and there's this, <laughs> there's like the mother, the father, the son. And then next to them is like this grandma in a wheelchair and you can't tell if she's dead or not. She's just laying there like she's dead right next to you. And, and when you have the VR headset on, you're looking around and the whole place is like, it's, it's, it's wild. I mean, I know this is what VR is, but yeah, you look around and like you're in the house, like everywhere you look up, down, all around you. And, uh, I, I had played it, you know, the normal style with the controller and just watching the TV, but putting the VR headset on was just another level, man. Like you, you, I think you would really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely going to check that out now. Yeah. Uh, so they have an Xbox too. I assume it's available on Xbox. Right? It, it is, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I have to check that out. Yeah, that's, that's right up my alley. They've had some crazy you know, sales. I'm it was like, like fifteen uh, bucks. You know. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, well, I it's, guess because uh, it's been out for a while. I mean, I. Oh damn! I have to check that out then. Um. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. My uh, my brother is a big fan of horror movies as well and um so like when we're on we're usually on tour in october so you know it's like the 30 days of halloween or 31 days of halloween so every day is a scary movie and even if there's not one like on tv somewhere like he 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 like loads up some old ass movie and so he watches a lot of those like phantasm and all the texas chainsaws and all the he watches all the friday the 13th every every time there's a friday the 13th uh, marathon like um, you know all the nightmare. Is he a streets. fan of Shutter? Uh, I I don't know if he knows about Shutter. I've seen it. I haven't gotten it yet. Yeah, the best thing about Shutter is uh, they have the Joe Bob Briggs. I don't know if you remember Monster Vision. I'm sure your brother definitely does. I remember that. Yeah, and um, they they brought Joe Bob Briggs back, and really? they have it the last drive-in. So they do like all night movie marathons, and then they brought it like they were doing one-off like marathons. And then they got um, what should we call it? Uh, like every they were they had a season of the last drive in the first season, where it's every Friday night they do like a double feature and it has all the Joe Barbara's commentary and like the uh, drive-in totals, and they actually have season two coming back um, April twenty fourth. So, um, and I think Shutter in a. I'm assuring your viewers I am not being paid by Shutter, but I know Shutter has a promotion going on right now where you can get a free month. So if your brother doesn't have Shutter and if you don't have Shutter and if you're listening to this podcast, you don't have Shutter and like horror movies and cool shit, then I definitely recommend checking that out. Yeah, I've I've been meaning to to look at that. I I looked at it back in um, October and I think they had like a week promo at the time. And like, I'm just really, um, I'm really bad at like, getting sitting down to watch a movie because i'm just always doing shit and so i was like is it going to be worth it you know but yeah my 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 girl loves horror movies too and it's always hard to find one so we find her like yeah it, no then i would i I, yeah. I would jump on shutter like that's yeah, cool i mean i think you guys will love it you know? yeah that'd be great yeah because like netflix just has all the worst horror movies like there's some good obviously b horror movies there's some good ones but there's really dumb shit out there that I just can't watch. I just, we'll get into yeah, it. I'm I just mean, like, eh, no. Yeah. I mean, I definitely haven't had a problem with like the selections and stuff on shutter. I mean, they have stuff like, yeah, they have, um, pieces and the mutilator <laughs> and, you know, my favorite movies, phantasm. They have the Joe Bob Riggs, like phantasm marathon that he did. Oh, cool. Um, there's some documentary stuff. Like I watched the documentary on Tom Savini. They have the, uh, Eli Roth history of horror, which was great to tear through. So I, I, I think you'll, uh, I, I think you'll dig it for sure. All right, yeah. Have you, have you ever played a game called uh, Until Dawn? It's, uh, it's a, it's basically, it's a game that, it's, it's like a movie that you control. It's like a horror movie that you control, um, and uh, very cool. It's like. Slow pace for the most part, because like I said, it's like a movie, but there's some action parts where you got to like hit the action button at the right time or this will happen kind of thing. Um, and the idea is there's eight of you 
And the idea is to try to get through the game by saving all eight people. And I made it all the way to the end, and I think everybody but two people died. <laughs> like, like there, it was wow. Uh, yeah, so like the replay value is really good on it. Um, it, it you're, uh, it's cool. You're on this. You're on this mountain. These, these. Uh, I don't know. Probably like young, early twenty year olds. Like they, they go to this mountain resort, and uh, two of their friends get killed. And they come back a year later and a couple of them are like, why are we coming back? This is crazy. And everybody was like, no, we have to, we got to do it for the, you know, I forgot that like Hannah, I guess her name is got to do it for Hannah. And like, we should be here and we should be celebrating as friends and remember them and all that shit. And then like, just this story starts to unravel about this old mining town and like people start dying and like all this crazy shit's happening. It's, It's a really cool like idea, you know, and I had a lot of fun playing it. Yeah, yeah, I gotta check that out. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah, yeah, it's called Until Dawn. Up till dawn. Uh, until you have to basically survive. Until dawn. Yeah, to survive until dawn, basically. And it's cool because like there's um, there's like timestamps every you know every time you finish a scene, it's like all right, you know, you know, three a.m. or whatever, and you'll you'll find yourself in all these different locations and you have to like make these quick decisions when the time happens and like like I said, hit those action buttons and otherwise the person you're with or you could die. Um, and so the idea is to save everybody and make it all the way to the end uh, with everybody, all eight. Wow, I've never heard of that. That sounds awesome. It is really neat. It looks great too. Like the guy from uh, 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 Rami, uh, the guy that played uh, Freddie Mercury, uh, Rami Malik, Rami Malik. Malik. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's in it. And um, that girl, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, she, I think she was in that show Heroes. Uh, she's in that. Like it's there's some like it, it looks just like them. You know, it looks it, it's it's pretty rad. Damn, sounds solid. Yeah, it's, it's really like twisted. It's good. And the astronaut, the the, the I'm sorry, the cosmonaut from uh from uh <laughs> Armageddon's in it too. Remember that movie, Bruce Willis? Oh yeah, um, like the the guy that often plays like a Russian villain. Yeah, the Russian guy. Yeah, yeah, he's in it. It's really good. <laughs> he's he's like the uh, the other like uh, Steve Buscemi partner in Fargo, right? Okay. Uh, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy's like a great character actor. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he's good. He's like typecast all the time, but it's just he does. He's good at it, you know. You know, I, I have a music question for you. Sure. Um, I know Ballyhoo is, is obviously your uh, like your main thing, but uh, you and me have mutual friends of uh, the Danano brothers. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, is it Callisto or Callisto? Callisto, yeah. Are are you guys doing anything with that? Like, is there anything new popping off with that? Yeah, James hits me up all the time. I just had him on the last episode. Actually, um, he hits me up all the time. He's just like, hey, man let's finish this. Let's, let's do more. And I want to really bad. I'm just like, so backed up all the time. Um, and, uh, but yeah, the, we, uh, we have some other songs that we didn't finish from that session uh, a couple of years ago. And, uh, there's one, there's like two that are pretty close. So we're, we're hoping to, uh, get those kind of finished up. I, I'm hoping that I can, make the time this week and next week. And, but, uh, yeah, it's cool. That was an interesting project. It was, um, 
just something that it was like Rob and James and uh, their buddy Dan. Uh, it was like amazing, like DJ turntablist. And um, they just kind of had some ideas and I was supposed to go produce the record and they ended up uh, firing their singer at the time. So I sort of like found myself in the band because I was like playing guitar and singing and writing. And, uh, Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we got Billy cottage who was in real big fish at the time. He's in the interrupters now. Um, he played trombone on a couple tracks. Uh, Brandon from this band bump and uglies friends of ours. He sings on some songs. Like, I don't know. It's just like this sort of like a revolving door of artists. You know, it's not, it's not just one thing. It seems it's kind of like, like, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's just, we're just making music with friends and putting it out. So there's no like who's in the band kind of thing. It's just like, like a collaborative thing, you know? Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah what, what was the, uh, what the mission was the release that came out like last year, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. The mission. Um, yeah. Brandon took the lead on that one as far as the, the vocals and the lyrics. And I just, I just hit, I hit a verse. Uh, James is on the drums on all, all the tracks. Um, yeah, it's it's fun and like all the songs are different too. Like, you know, I'm I'm known for the the reggae rock genre. Um that's kind of the American reggae scene here, which it's it's runs the gamut of like there's from from roots reggae to pop reggae to punk reggae, you know, to ska. Like all it's like sort of all encompassing. Um so I'm more known for that stuff. So when we do this Callisto stuff, there's a little bit of like reggae going on but like the mission was just a cool like alternative rock song i think you know hey everybody quick promo right here shameless shameless as ever the new ballyhoo song fighter is out now uh it includes dark sunglasses california king and Renegade, the previous singles from the last year. We wanted to put them all together so you had them in one place. We're super excited to have this out. We, it's completely DIY. We did it all ourselves uh, from recording to production to mixing to mastering and release. We did it all ourselves and we're very proud of it. If you haven't checked it out yet, please go stream it wherever you listen to music Spotify, Apple Music, and everywhere else. It's Fighter by my band, Ballyhoo. Uh, we love you and we hope to see you at the shows. Thank you so much. And you, uh, you did the uh, the production on uh, Silhouette Rising, right? Or you did something with that? Yeah, I, I produced that record, um, the final Happiness Three, um, and I ended up doing some. I guess I did some singing, maybe a little bit of writing, and I played some guitar. Uh, I was I'm pretty much whenever I produce a record, like I'm, I'm like whatever you need me to be. Like if, if I have to play guitar or sing or write something i will you know I just i'll do whatever you need me to do kind of thing um and but yeah i, I did a lot of, i did all the editing and um i didn't i didn't mix it i wasn't ready to mix at the time but yeah i did all the editing and vocal tuning it was a very interesting project too because um cam cam was already uh you know he'd, he'd been in the car accident and he wasn't able to sing you know, much less, you know, he can't even speak really like much less sing. So, um, we had to use his, his old vocal recordings and luckily he was like really good at recording himself even for demos. 
and he was he just gave it his all and, and not just kind of cuz like for a demo sometimes you'll you'll mail it in just to kind of like get the idea down um but he would like sing you know and like most of the stuff was done really well so we we built most of those songs around his vocal takes and any guitar stuff he had done um which was a very interesting project cuz it was like my first record that I produced for someone else so it was like a big challenge you know um yeah you know i i um i befriended them i i'm actually i don't know if you knew this hallie but i played the dirty cop in the music video for welcome to the neighborhood oh you did okay if you ever need a dirty crooked cop in your music video i'm your guy okay yeah i got your number now <laughs> but you know befriending those uh the two brothers around that time because uh, we filmed a music video at my house um they, you know they kind of brought us to the story of what happened to cam and kind of how they uh, were able to pull off the record. And um, it's interesting to hear more of the backstory of like how you put it together. Cause um, that, that's pretty wild. It was so crazy, man. Cause like, you know, like I said, like it was my first like real go at producing for someone else. And I was already like, I, I was confident, you know, like in, in what I could do, but I definitely was still learning a lot. And um, it was just, Going like imagine myself going into that situation with what I know now. It's just like Jesus Christ! Like wow, I can't believe someone hired me to to go do that because it was literally like the, the songs were nothing and like it was just his demos, you know. And we just sort of like <laughs> like built it out and like we added some parts because it was like okay, he got this far. We need to add a bridge or or, or there needs to maybe a pre-chorus here, or an intro or something, um, and just really constructed the whole thing around his vision. And, uh, James told me that, um, he, he sent me some videos and stuff of, of like him listening to the songs for the first time. And he was just like, you could see him in it. You could see in his eyes, like he was lit up, you know, he couldn't really communicate it, but you could see it that he was just like, this is dope. The op- like you could tell he was happy about it, what he was hearing. Cause that was really like nerve wracking. It was like, Oh my God, is like, this has to be great. This has to be good. I don't want to ruin this guy's songs, you know? I don't want to ruin his vision, his music. And it seemed like he was very happy with it. So that was nice. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, I'd love to see like a, almost like a documentary about like the making of that record. You know, I think people would be, um, really kind of into and in tune with like that, that story. I mean, that, that, that is a great story, you know, that's how you guys were able to pull that record off. Yeah. I, I, I'm still very proud of it. It turned out really well for what we had to work with. And we had Ty from, uh, he used to play an alien F farm. He, he played bass on it and he was just down for anything and contributed a lot, like, uh, as a writer and he did some singing and he even rapped on, uh, the neighborhood song. Um, yeah, I, I remember the rap. Well, cause, uh, <laughs> Ty used to record out of my attic here for a bit. Nice. Um, and I mean, I, I think that's how the whole music video with Paris and stuff happened was through Ty. Yeah. Or I mean, that well, he, he's dressed like a cholo in the video and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's great. I mean, it was just good. You know, that, that whole, that whole situation as weird as it was um, and different and, and uh, just like the, like kind of like the most daunting experience you know, especially for our first experience, um, it, it turned out really well and, um, everybody just put their best foot forward and, 
um, we put out a good record, I think. Um, you know, out of curiosity, so, I mean, that was, you probably did that in 2016, 17, right? Uh, that was, yeah, that was actually December 2016. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Cause my dad went to the hospital, um, while I was up there in Boston and, uh, so it, yeah, on top of what it, how weird it already was, I was losing my dad at the same time. Didn't realize it at the time, but uh, yeah, it was a really weird couple weeks in December 2016. Yeah, that sounds um, that sounds extremely intense. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it was like we were a couple days in, and like a friend of ours from from home that we knew, like he had just passed away, had a heart attack, like that Sunday. And like, I think I went in, I got there Friday night. We started on Saturday. And then the second day I started hearing those bad news. And then like later that night, my brother's like, I got to take dad to the hospital. And it was just like, what the hell, <laughs> you know? And then Cam came in that day too. And it was really weird. I remember just being like, uh, freaked out because he was going to hear what we were doing. And I was like, I don't want him to hear this yet. Like it's not ready. And <laughs> you know, it was just a weird week. <clears throat> Have you been um, producing a lot since then? Like, do you produce a lot of records? Yeah, uh, I, I produce everything from the Bump and Uglies since 2016. Um, I started around the same time that I was working with Silhouette Rising. <clears throat> I think I started a month earlier with Bump and Uglies. We started getting drums and things like that. Um, and then, uh, so I've produced all their stuff since then. And then kind of fully switched over to producing the Ballyhoo stuff. I mean, I've always, I've always been like the producer, you know, since the beginning, but I'm even more, it's, it's pretty much all in my hands as far as recording and editing and the overall production, like overseeing everything, um, these days. And I even, I even mix the stuff now. Um, so that's cool. I like having, I like having that because like, I remember like, um, the, the worst thing is like when you're trying to explain to an engineer, the sound you're going for or the effect you're trying to create and they're just not doing it. Um, and it's like, you just want to be like, give me the, give me the shit, give me the shit. I'll do it. You know? Um, but I, I, but I didn't know it back. I didn't know how to do the things that I wanted to do in my head, you know, like how to create. Cause like in the, in the, in the genre that we're in, like I, I do a lot of like reggae dubs, like, like, uh, delay hits on the snare and like just the stuff that really trails off and twists up and gets weird. And, and, uh, these, these things, I, I call it the, I call it the boom, like the snare boom, which is like every now and then the snare hits and there's this huge reverb just on the one hit boom. And then it comes back like, you know, and then it decays off like stuff like that. Like I never knew how to do it. And, and now it's like, I know how to do all that shit. And I'm just happy that I haven't, you know, I can do it. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I enjoy doing it. I love, I love like manipulating uh, the music and trying things and experimenting and you know uh, just using the imagination to like what could I do here? Like what 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 plugins can I use to really make this weird sound I'm trying to get or, or whatever? Just I don't know. It's just a lot of fun, man. And and the fact that yeah, I, do you have you have any projects coming up that you're like uh, gearing up to produce or? Um, I mean, I'm, um, I just finished another bump and Ugly's record. Uh, I'm always recording Ballyhoo stuff. <clears throat> um, I'm mixing a band called Otic Empire out of uh, Texas right now. 
Um, that's just about done. And I'm actually in that situation right now. They're, they're trying to, they're trying to get this effect out of me, this like, kind of like uh, filter sweep thing. Like that's really quick and I'm just not nailing it. And I'm telling, I'm like, guys, I can't do this. I don't know what the fuck I can't, you know? So I feel bad, you know? <laughs> and I know they got this vision in their head and I'm trying to make it happen for them. That's the one thing I'm just like, damn it. But, uh, they're really happy with the mix so far. And, uh, I've got a few, um, other, uh, smaller artists that are, messaging me and asking me to do some, some mixing for them. And, uh, that's going, that's going well. And yeah, I'm just, I'm open to anything, man. I'm open to just trying things. And, um, the, the more, the more work I get, the more experience I get and the more things I can try, you know, it's good. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll have to, uh, we'll we'll definitely have to check in and and do something at some point. You know, I would love to, man. I, I, I would love to do like just straight up, you know, punk rock just straightforward um no no silliness just like you know like mixing a record like uh insomniac by green day would be like great you know it's just like the three guys just slamming away and i don't know i just feel like it'd be a lot of fun yeah you know my uh my just a side note my buddies um their band they covered insomniac front to back acoustically like on instagram yeah like last night Oh, that's awesome. You have to send me the link. I got to watch that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely send it to you. It's a, our, our buddies, uh, teenagers, who are our drummer Kyle pulled double DD and is a uh, drummer for them as well. Oh, so, so cool. Um, yeah, our, our buddy Jordan, who's the uh, one of the guitar players, um, just tore through the record on his own because he's also a um, huge Green Day fan in that band. Um, I feel like we all have those kind of similar foundations, like those punk rock foundations. Yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely send that your way. Yeah, I sure. love that. I we we uh, we covered Armitage Shanks um, last year for our uh, what was he twenty third anniversary of our first show. It was March first, nineteen ninety six. So March first, twenty nineteen, uh, we released our our cover of that song that we opened with that night. And it, it was, turned out really great. <laughs> I'm really happy with the production. Awesome. I just love Green yeah, Day. I will. Yeah, uh, you know, I was actually just talking about um, the most recent Ballyhoo records. What detonate? Um, yeah, the most recent uh, full full record. Yeah, we put out some singles. My uh, my buddy, my coworker Brian D'Angelo. I think he's been a like a long time supporter of Ballyhoo. Yeah, the name is um, familiar. I, I want to say, I, and I don't know if just because it's been a blur the past few weeks, but is it possible he just saw you play acoustically? Yeah, I did. Um, I did a show in at Paradise Rock Club back in December. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I played acoustic with uh, this guy, Eric Rockmani. Um, yeah, that... The show he's always laughing on uh, Ballyhoo. Like when I walk in the morning, he nice. gets in the office before anybody else does. Like he gets in, like he's on like the six thirty to like three thirty shift, and I I kind of come in around, <laughs> let's say, roughly ten o'clock. <laughs> and um, you know, if I'm the first one to arrive after him, like it, it's often like Ballyhoo, or you know, he, he's always kind of um, rocking out to like like reggae stuff. So that's cool. It's it's. It's been really neat to I see people like uh, sharing stories on Instagram yeah. or something, and you, see, you, hear, you hear the music in the background, and it's like some other place in the world. You're just like, man, that's so cool. 
what are your views on Spotify, Apple Music, and all that? Like, I, I, I love the shit because for that reason, it gets your music out globally. Anyone can listen at any time. You know, we have fans in Turkey. You know, like three fans in Turkey listening to some songs. What are your views on that? Well, you know, I think, I think they kind of get a bad rap. Um, you know, I mean, and it's understandable from the terms of like, you know, what they pay out to artists and whatnot. But I mean, you know, I, I personally love Spotify. I think it's a great way to, um, discover music. I think the algorithms are like, you know, almost like, um, musical black voodoo magic kind of stuff. Um, you know, we, uh, one of the singles we put out last year got put on, um, got like a picked up by a Spotify playlist cool, and that, you know, throws us into people's daily mixes and recommended stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's definitely like if you're an artist listening to this podcast and you're like anti Spotify or you're not putting your music on Spotify, I mean, I would say you're missing out because you know, there's, it's putting your music into people's music libraries that straight out wouldn't have heard you, you know, like let me pull up our page real quick, just for an example. Yeah, please. Um, you know, our top fans or listeners, it's uh, where people listen. Like the top places are, you know, Chicago, Montreal, Sydney, Australia, Seattle, and um, it's like Chile. And it's like, that's, that's incredible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you can go, you can go like further and just see it's, it's wild. You can like, they show you the map and there's like, you can see the different colors and you can go over like mouse over it. Like we've got 106 listeners in Romania. We've got uh, 1.7 K in Japan. Um, you know, 132 in Taiwan. Like it's, it's awesome. It's like the coolest thing. 296 in Poland. You know, it's like there's people listening all over the world, man. And, um, Oh man, it's so rad. I, I used to be, yeah, I mean, the, the payout is garbage. Absolutely. Um, they, these guys, these guys were smart, man. They came in and they were just like, oh, we're going to set up a paywall and we're going to make money off of all these bands' music. And it's going to be amazing. And they're like billionaires, you know? Um, and that sucks. Um, but to me, the music, Spotify, all that, it's the way to get the music out there and then it's up to you to go do the work. And I mean, go on tour and play shows and uh, uh, interact with your fans on the social platforms. Like the music is the tool to, to open the door, right? And now you got to go put in the time, put in the work. You're not going to make the money off of streams. And I, I will definitely say that streams are, uh, they do start to add up at some point. And you'll start getting some decent checks, <clears throat> um, uh, but there's a lot of bands that that don't have that, and it's literally just you use the the streams, you share the links, and you you open the door, and then you go in there, and you start doing the work, you know, play as many shows as possible, get on to, uh, get on tour with other bands, uh, get on the socials, interact, like reply to every message 
that's how you grow, you know? And there's some bands that, that don't want to yeah, do and that. I mean, it's such an easy way to, to listen to music that like, I think nowadays with the, the climate and people's attention spans sort of being shorter and lower, like a way to just say, here's a link, check out this song is the most effective for, for artists, especially independent artists that are, you know, trying to expose themselves and, and get out there to, you know, to like as many listeners as possible. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm fully, uh, like I fully embrace the, the platform and, you know, like the playlist, like I'm constantly looking for playlists that kind of match what protagonist is doing and hitting people up and saying, you know, check out the song, like add it to your playlist if you, if you dig it, you know? And I imagine I'll be doing a big round of that next week when our, um, when Fallout from the Chronicle comes out. Cause it has a, you know, a mixture of those, like the singles as covers, it has acoustic songs. So there's like different avenues for, you know, stuff to, you know, stuff to go on. So yeah, it's very rich. It's very rich in the, uh, the content there. There's all, all yeah. kinds of different things. I like that. So do you guys have a pre-save yeah. going on for that? Um, I, you know, I actually don't know. Um, cause, uh, Vinny and paper and plastic are the ones that, um, are, are putting it out through the distributor. Okay. Um, I, you know, I know I did like the Spotify pitch and all that kind of stuff to get on a playlist, but, yeah. um, um, I think there is a pre-save for sure on Apple music right now. Um, I don't know about Spotify, but, um, um, I will find out about that and get back to you for sure. Yeah. That's something that you, that you want to have going on for sure. <clears throat> and, uh, especially now you're, you know, what, uh, 10, 10 days out, something like that. 11 days out. You definitely want to, uh, try to get a, a pre-save link going. The more, the more um, action that the song has on release day, uh, the more the algorithm is going to work for you, you know, and which could push you to a playlist if an editor, editor hears it. Um, so yeah, the more uh, followers you have, you want to, you want to push people to follow the band on Spotify as much as possible and then like all the songs, you know, save all the songs, whatever, the, whatever it is. Now I think it's like with a little heart. Um, and then share the link and pre-save as much as possible. Uh, and the more that people are listening, so you already did the submission, which is great. That means it's going to go out to release radar on the first day. That's good. Um, but the more action it has, the the better chance you have of being heard and 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 then prioritizing it. You know. Well, I will have to. I will definitely have to get on that then for sure. Yeah, yeah. Pre-save is Absolutely. huge, and I wish that Spotify would like enable the feature officially because you have to use third party right now, and it's not the cleanest experience. Um, sometimes people will think they pre-saved and they didn't um, because there was something else they had to do. Uh, there's certain services like I'm pretty sure with I use DistroKid for our stuff, and I'm pretty sure that they simplified the process. Uh, like they create a splash page immediately uh, when you upload the the release and you can start sharing the link around for pre-save. And um, it's literally like, I think it's one click and you got to make sure you're logged in with your credentials for Spotify. And then uh, it takes the person's email and I think it tells them that up front, which is always good. And then, um, so you get their email and then you get, you get a pre-save from them. And there's also uh, places like, there's a platform called Gleam, G-L-E-A-M. Um, and they do all kinds of like uh, fan interaction um, campaigns. Like you can do a pre-save campaign uh, and to drive it, 
you create like a uh, like a contest, like uh, you know, enter to win this, you know, old beat up symbol that we signed, or a drum head, or or whatever, you know, any kind of prize, um, and enter to win, uh, pre save for a chance to win, or something like that. And then you go through on release day, you go through and just you pick a name, you know, and you send it out. But that's how you drive the pre-saves. Pre-saves are huge. I just, I just can't believe that Spotify hasn't enabled that yet. Yeah, have you ever used, I think Feature FM has that feature. Yes, right? yes. We've used Feature FM as well. Um, and have you have you used like you have much experience with feature fm yeah we've done uh, several releases with feature fm um we didn't pay for the service it was our our distributor at the time in grooves they they pay for the service and they would send us the link um and it was uh even with that like we didn't get the link right away um and i remember asking like "Ah, i gotta get the link gotta get the link you know um it would be a couple weeks uh and feature fm is great they have uh like they have all the all the stats right there. Like it tells you how many people click the link, how many people actually follow through with follow through with the pre-save. Because even with Feature FM, it wasn't the cleanest. Um, some people were having some issues. You know, uh, sometimes the link would would take you to some. Like I think with Apple, it happens a lot. People go to pre-save with Apple or something, and it's like, oh, not available in this country. Like stuff like that. It's always buggy. Um, but Feature FM is is also a good service. But if you want to do something that's a little more uh, uh, incentivized and like more interactive, I would choose something like Gleam. You know, you just you pay you pay to set up a campaign and you run the campaign for whatever your budget is, um, and then you you build your pre saves that way. Yeah, I, I need to I need to scope that out. What, what is the website? It's called Gleam. It's a G L E A M. Um, like gleaming the cube, which was a great movie. Yeah, I was just going to say that's uh, you know top Christian Slater movie, top. no doubt. That and Heather's great movies. And it, I, to me, the trifecta there is like gleaming the cube, Heather's, and pump up the volume. Pump up the volume. Oh man, I've seen that. God, when did that come out? Like ninety one. Oh, yeah, it, you know, I, I feel like it's to the it's what me and my friend refer to as an accidental 80s movie because I want to say you're right. It's like a 90 or 91, but it feels like it's like a, it, it feels like it's about like an 86, 87 kind of movie. Totally. You know I mean? Totally. Yeah. A lot of movies around there. There's a movie called uh, <clears throat> Ski Patrol. It came out in 1990, I think. And yeah, Ski Patrol. Yeah. And it's totally an 80s movie. You know, it's like it has the, the, the girls have the hair and like the, the, you know, the, the clothes and I don't know. It's just, it's totally an eighties movie, but it came out in 1990. I what, think. What's your favorite sort of non-obvious eighties movie? And I mean, like we could easily probably say, Oh, like breakfast club, uh, pretty in pink, 16 candles. But what's 20 or more like under the radar favorite eighties <sighs> under the radar. I mean, I mean all the, uh, I, I, it's, it's hard because the John Hughes movies are great. You know, they're all great. Uh, but I love, I like I said earlier, Big Trouble in Little China is a great movie. Like, um, Roger Rabbit, great movie. Yes. You know, uh, 1989, I believe. Um, I mean, you know, Batman, come on. But that's not necessarily under the radar. Um, 
yeah, I mean, Ghostbusters, you know, uh, I, I even enjoyed Ghostbusters too. I, I love that movie. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. What about, I, uh, just one of the guys. Have you seen just one? Oh, of the guys? just one of the guys. I love that movie. Forgot about that one. Yeah, I've seen that movie a bunch of times. Yeah. That's a great movie. A protagonist fun fact is our guitar player Brian is like second cousins with Stu Charno, who plays the reptile guy. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I actually met him at a convention once and had him sign my just one of the guys one sheet. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, what a great. Yeah, I and think the- it was the same convention where I uh, got Corey Feldman to sign my, uh, what was it? My Stand By Me poster. Oh, man. Dude, License to Drive. Oh, all right. So that, that's like another perfect kind of like a little bit more under the radar 80s movie. Yes. L- License to Drive. Me and my brother used to watch that movie like nonstop. <laughs> Great movie, man. And that both Corys. Still to this day. Both, yeah, it's got both Corys. Um, Heather Graham is Mercedes. Yes, Mercedes uh, Lane. It definitely is probably, for me, top 10 movie-wise, one of the best movie intros of all time. The dream sequence on the bus. and um, oh, That's right. Uh, Corey Haim busting out of the back and jumping into the, uh, whether, I forget if it's like a Lotus or a Ferrari. Oh, so good. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's going to school, right? The guy's taking him to school and he like locks all the doors yep. and shit. <laughs> and he's like laughing. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, great movie. I gotta watch that again. Classic. So uh, classic, you got you classic. got got the new release. Uh, what fall, Fallout from the Chronicles coming out next Friday? Yep. What else is going on? Anything else? I mean, I know it's kind of hard because we're not playing shows and stuff. But what else got going on? You know, on? I have. Yeah, we have. Uh, we recorded for a split um, back in January. And so that stuff is being mixed by our friend uh, Jamie Wolford, who mixed down our album The Chronicle. Who you split with? He mixed down Jean Jackets in June. Um, uh, The Split, you know, I don't think we've announced it yet, Mm. but it's, um, I mean, I'm sure this will um, spark up some interest in some people, but The Split is going to be with our friend Omnigon, which is Adam B. from Link 80's uh, new ska punk band. Oh, cool. Nice. What? And um, where, that is going to come based? out on paper and plastic and possibly another label. And, um, you know, release date to be determined. I mean, summer, fall is what I would imagine at this point. I think, you know, this is probably shut down. At least slowed down the record pressing plants and all that kind of stuff. But um, I'm sure it'll probably be like a digital thing and then come out a little bit later on vinyl. I think that would probably be the... Uh, reasonable expectations at this point, you know? Right on. Yeah. It's such a weird time. Yeah. Have you, have you heard Omnigon? Have you heard the record? No faith. I haven't. I will send that your way. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, link 80 is like a, um, a top band for me. Um, you know, a band I discovered in high school, the, uh, uh, my best friend at the time. And the first singer protagonist, Steve, um, he loved link 80. And I went to go see uh, Link 80 and MU 330. Um, I, I can tell you the date. It was February 2nd, uh, 2000. So 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, it 
connected with me then. I, I you know, I flew out a couple of years ago to see them play their reunion shows for the uh, Asian Man Records 20th anniversary shows. And I'm very stoked to be doing the split with them. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, that's really cool, man. Yeah, I never got into Link 80. <clears throat> I was never into like Catch 22 or anybody like that. Like I was barely into NoFX. Um, I, I, I don't know what it was. I was more drawn to like uh, Goldfinger and um, Suicide Machines and Real Big Fish, uh, bands like that. It was interesting. And I remember yeah, trying I'll have to send you some like uh, curated Link 80 tracks. Yeah, so check out. please do. Please do. Um, yeah, it, it's it. Sometimes I, yeah, sometimes I need people to like send me some shit so I can open up a little bit because you kind of get locked into the things you used to love, you know. And um, yeah, I'm not totally. I'm not really exploring and finding a lot of new music, you know. The older I get, <clears throat> and uh, every now and then I hear a song, I'm like, "Well, that's dope," you know. And I'll, I'll dig. It. I just fell in love with Mac Miller. <laughs> recently like uh and he, you know he he died in 2018 so it's, it sucks because i missed it but i've been able to go back and dive in his his catalog um you know so just stuff like that like i just try to every now and then i hear something that my ears perk up so yeah please send me some links yeah a lot of the stuff i've been listening to lately um is like i guess what's classified as like synth wave or retro wave but um bands like time pop 1983 or I would say I guess musical acts, um, Sound Cup 1983. Um, it's like one guy who gets people to, you know, guest. Um, the Midnight. And um, my like recent favorite is Jessie Fry. And she's a female vocalist, like rock singer out of um, Texas. And she has been releasing like synthwave singles for about a year and a half now. And it's just every track she releases is like A plus um, to the top. So. That's I definitely rad. recommend checking her stuff out. Have you she heard just of, put out a song, I think a, a week ago called Malibu Broken. And it's just, it is a fucking jam. Not yeah. Please send me all this. I want to check this out. Have you heard of a gunship? Yes. Yeah. Love gunship. Yeah. Same, same thing. Like we started like digging into the, their stuff last year. Uh, the synthwave thing is like, it's like low key, but it's, it's, it seems to be doing really well. People really enjoy it. Yeah, you know, I saw Jesse Fry and FM84 uh, at the Sinclair in Cambridge, like, back in June, and it was just awesome. It's, like, also a really good vibe at those shows, um, you know, like, you know, I, as a kid that grew up, and, I mean, still goes to, like, punk and hardcore shows, it, it's nice to go to a show where it's just kind of people just vibing out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's And not, not worrying about somebody uh, stage diving on top of me kind of thing. That's what our shows are like. It's pretty much people are vibing out. I mean, we get some mosh pits and stuff because we do some punk rock too. But for the most part, like it's like girls in dresses and everybody's just having a good time, you know? Yeah, yeah. I gotta come out and see you guys next time you guys play Boston because it, it's been a while. I don't think I've seen you since that um, since the high dive show in Gainesville, so it's been a while now. Oh wow, yeah, that was a while back. Yeah, we we uh we did the Sinclair back in I think it was twenty. 2018 maybe um and uh that was a great show and uh we played we've done the um the middle east a couple times those go really well paradise done, done those a couple times <clears throat> yeah boston do you have a favorite boston spot to play boston goes off I, we i don't know i i really enjoyed the sinclair it was really cool um 
uh, the Middle East is like a kind of like a, a, a dark kind of divey place. Um, I, I enjoyed playing there. Paradise, the same thing, like just uh, really nice. We, we, we've been doing these, uh, these boat cruises on the harbor there in Boston in the summer. Last two years now, we, were, we had another one. I don't know if it's going to happen now, but I guess we'll find out. Um, we were working on the third the third year, going out on this boat in the Boston Harbor and just getting drunk with like 300 people. Yeah, you know what? I saw I saw Les and Jake do one of those. Um, oh, cool. A, a while back now, but yeah, those shows are a lot of fun. I, I really yeah. want to play one of those shows. Yeah. I've heard Rachel. Actually, do you know Rachel Path down in Baltimore? I, I do. Yeah, yeah. I know Rachel was doing those shows down there for like a little bit, but I think she lost access to whatever boat she was using for them. But uh, I I always bug her and say, like, bring us down. Come on, let's let's do a boat show. And she's like, find me a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she does uh, Feed the Scene, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been friends with her close to a a decade now. And yeah, she, uh, like, we've, you know, stayed at her place and she's cooked for us plenty of times. And, um, me and her always have a uh, annual sushi date at Fest, so we always get together and kind of escape from the Fest madness and just get some sushi, and then kind of return right back to it. So get back to the madness. Yeah, we're, we're, Rachel Pack is uh, solid people, and we also get together when she comes up for the um, the Buy Your Money Boston shows, like the hometown throwdowns. That's awesome. Because she's uh, she's super into that, like that crowd and, and that band. That's great. Yeah, I bet those guys go off up there. Yeah, have you guys ever played with Boston? Uh, never have. Um, there we had a festival come up. We were going to play with them in July, and then we ended up not doing it because it like the radius because we had another show in the same area like two months later. They didn't they didn't want us to do it, so we couldn't do it. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, we would have played with them. And what are your like? Uh, what's the place in Baltimore that you guys like? What's your like? the Ballyhoo version of Cheers for shows down there. Uh, the sidebar? No, we we play uh, Baltimore Soundstage typically. That's, okay. That's our spot. Um, and then uh, sometimes the Rams head. Um, but usually it's Baltimore Soundstage. Um, and then there's like spots around the area, like smaller bars and things um, that we'll do sometimes. But uh, yeah, we, we try to just make it an event every time and try not to play too much in Baltimore. Um, and then I'll do like acoustic shows and things. So you know, there's try to try to get something going on. But I like to have the the Baltimore shows you know packed out if we can help it. Don't want to yeah. Oversaturate. And do all your dudes live in Baltimore, or are you in like a, a similar situation to me? Like you have dudes that are kind of all over yeah um we all live in the area um our bass player his parents live in florida so he'll go down there a lot to visit and stuff but he moved up here for the band and i was going to ask you about that because uh, i know a band called pacifier who's in the same situation where they all live in different states and like what is that like how do you guys rehearse when do you rehearse uh how do you play shows like how does this work yeah i mean it's definitely not easy, but I, I think the fact that it's also like, you know, um, you know, me and my brother are in the band and it's like, uh, we're in a band with our best friends. So I think that makes things, I think that makes a hard situation easier for sure. And I mean, we just, we make it work, you know? I mean, we, 
you know, if we're going to play shows, whether it's like a tour or kind of like more of a one-off thing, uh, wherever that is, we'll, we'll get together, rehearse for a bit. You know, like last year we did South by Southwest and we found a rehearsal spot in Austin and just, you know, jammed out for a couple hours and got it to a point where it was tight. You know, I think this, the only thing that kind of, I don't know if bothers is the right word, but, um, you know, it's like we always sort of get it just tight enough. And I certainly miss like regular weekly band practices. And I think in the last few years is like, you know, I've gotten a little bit older and like seems to get a little bit harder at times. That's one thing that I, I often think like, fuck, I just wish I could go to band practice and just like play music right now. Yeah. Yeah. We, we never have band practice. It's like, it's like, uh, we play a lot of shows and that's kind of practice, you know? And like, if we have a tour coming up, we'll get together the day before or two days before just to kind of get knocked the rust off. But you know, we'll go weeks without playing a show and then play a show. And then it's like, you just feel it. You're like, God damn it. Like we should have practiced, you know, it's like, we're always so damn busy or at least I'm always busy. And uh, we, we don't seem to make it like a, a priority for some reason. We just, we just never have. It's weird. Well, I, you know, I think when we all lived in the same town, which, I mean, you know, at this point we haven't all lived in the same town in like 13 years. So this is our norm. So yeah. I think we're also, to answer your question, we're like used to the structure, but um, I definitely took that for granted at the time and, and truly, truly uh, miss it. You know, I mean, we're still able to, um, we're still able to do a lot of cool stuff. Like, yeah, we just recorded for that split. Um, you know, we recorded jean jackets. Um, we all sort of um, convened into uh, Asbury Park and recorded with Pete from the Bouncy Souls. Oh, cool. So we, we just like took two days in his basement and kind of like fleshed out the songs and then tracked it for like five days. Uh, you know, we did a tour with Newfound Glory. We did a couple of years at South by Southwest. We did a tour with Lesson Jake at Red City Radio. So, I mean, we we're definitely able to, so, you know, we, it, it definitely works. And we've kind of figured it out through our own science, you know. As far as, like, songwriting, a lot of it is my brother demoing stuff on GarageBand. And he'll send it to me and we'll, we'll work it out. Um, you know, I, the guys have come here to Boston to like do a songwriting weekend where we worked on stuff. My brother was here last summer and we, you know, flushed out a couple songs that we had been like kind of stuck on. We kind of broke through them on that trip. And then I, you know, he went and worked with our drummer Kyle and they flushed out some other stuff. So it's definitely, it's um, kind of finding ways and time to kind of break through the barrier, which is really like, if you can break through the barrier of like money for flights and like logistics and time, then, you know, it all works. Yeah. Everybody's got this situation. You make it work, you know? Um, yeah. And I think, you know, kind of circling back to the Spotify conversation, it's like, you know, it's an interesting time and climate for releasing music and like having that as a creative output because you can drop one song, you can drop something like a rarities collection, you can put out a new album and you know, I mean, it, it's, 
a, like a different set of work that goes into let's say like playing shows it's like figuring out how to promote yourself and like releasing content and videos and like pictures and like behind the scenes stories on things that I think engages people and keeps them connected or gives them a way to connect to your band and to your music. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I, I look at it as, you know, it's such a, the playing field is just leveled and, you know, everyone gets their music from different sources. Now it's not just one, one or two sources. Like it used to be MTV and the radio, you know, it's like, people listen to all different platforms and all different styles. And there's so many different genres out there and everybody's making noise. So you, you know, you get your fans locked in and you just feed them, you know, every, every couple of months, give them a new song. You know, it's, it's we're, we just live in that world now. It's, it's not, it's not uh weird or, you know, out of the norm to, to put a single out and that's it. You know, there's no, there's, doesn't have to be a record around it. There doesn't have to be any sort of like crazy, <clears throat> expensive campaign you just you make a song and you push it and on to the next one you know yeah and i think that's something that got lost in like the 90s or probably like you know 80s 90s 2000s i mean it's always been there in the punk scene specifically of like releasing seven inches and you know that like the subgenre of i guess like doing that you know like it, it, that's it's kind of funny about like the vinyl explosion of the past decade is like the vinyl vinyl never went away in punk rock. You know, like I started buying seven inches in vinyl when I was, you know, like 11 years old and, you know, have never stopped. It's just like, there's like way more options and prices are higher than they yeah. used to be, you know? That's true. <clears throat> and it takes forever to get, get them made these days. It's like four months turnaround. But it's like the fact that you can just like, it kind of embraces the style of like, you know, the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s of like releasing, you know, releasing a single and, you know, a quote unquote B-side. Like, you know, it's like you don't have to put all the energy, time, and focus into um, a full record, you know, that you're going to eventually push a couple songs off the record. It's like, it's, uh, I think, refreshing to go back to that sort of format slash style of releasing singles and kind of one-offs. Yeah. That, that crossed my mind as well. A while back, like this is how they did it in the sixties, you know, in the fifties and seventies, it was like, <clears throat> you, you put out like a 45 and it's got like two or three songs on it, you know, and that's it. Maybe one song. Yeah. And, uh, that's how they did it back then. It was interesting. We're kind of back there just in a different medium, you know, just in this digital world. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's always a kind of a debate, you know, we, uh, I mean, with that being said, we are working on, um, another LP. I love, I love the format of a record, but, um, you know, for the past decade, like we put out EPs and it's, you know, you put a lot of the same effort and work into the release, whether it's an EP or an LP. And I think that's something that's interesting to consider. You know what I mean? Like it's like, I I think that was a kind of a thing that we picked up and learned from Vinny specifically was like, you're going to put the same amount of work into it, whether it's, you know, whether it's 12 songs or like five songs. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, give it your all on those, those five songs. Yeah. We try to do, try to like 
put the same amount of effort into everything when it releases, um, even if it's a single. And uh, but with a with a full length record, um, you know, we try to do like video content along with it. You know, and just try to think of everything, any sort of piece of content, whether it's a picture or a video, or you know, in the form of a podcast or, or something like I'll, I'll make a, like when we have a, a couple, I have a couple, uh, track by trap, track by track episodes, um, of the last record detonate. Well, not a couple, I've all, all 11 songs. And then I guess a, a wrap up or something where I, I do a, a podcast episode about each song on the record, like how it came to be, what it's about, you know? Um, it's just, it's just more, more content to, to kind of go with, the release and I think uh, people appreciate it. You know, people like hearing the backstory. Yeah. And you know, I think, I mean, the fact that we're on uh, a podcast, I mean, podcasts are also a huge way of, of getting music out there, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure somebody will listen to this podcast. Who's never heard a protagonist and will say, ah, I'll, I'll check them out. They definitely know? will. Yeah. They definitely will. This, there's a there's a lot of listeners on this show, man. I get a lot of uh, people every night. Every night when we're actually on tour, when we're allowed to play shows, people come up and they're like wearing my the Tales uh, T-shirt or something, and they're like, "Yo, I love the podcast. It's it's awesome." There's the words getting out. People are listening, so uh, I really hope that. Do you actively track like how the podcast is doing and like how many listeners? Like, are you pretty in tune with like that kind of like the data and the information? Yeah, I try to stay up on it. Um, I I, I kind of let it go a little bit. I'm not as as uh, uh, crazy about it as I am with the band's numbers, but um, it is. Uh, I'll look at the dashboard. It changes all the time. Like there's this like estimated estimated audience size. It can be anywhere from 300 to a thousand. You know, uh, people. I guess it kind of takes like a yeah. It's based on the average number of plays. So it's not like the number of people. It's just like I don't I don't really know how many people are listening. I know it's getting out there, you know, just because of the, I've seen the ramp up of like more people coming at me about it. But, um, you know, there's, I've got almost 90,000 plays of these episodes, which is, it's pretty incredible for, you know, thinking wow. just, yeah, it's a small thing and, you know, people are listening. So it's good. That's awesome. Um, well, hello to everybody out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody say hi to Pete. Um, well, dude, uh, yeah, I don't want to keep you too long here. I'm running out, of, running out of, running out of tape in this digital world. On this, on this, <laughs> no, no seriously, though, on this SD card, I'm running out. Of, I'm running out of space. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's funny you get you get going, and it's like you just start talking, and here we are, an hour forty minutes later. Oh, geez, I, I didn't even realize we were on that one. Yeah, yeah, isn't that cool? It's nice, right? That that is awesome. Um, so, uh, I guess when this shit goes back to normal, um, please let us know when, uh, you're going to be out on the road again and, um, I'll make sure to, uh, let the people know and they can follow you. Uh, so give out like the band Instagram and all that stuff. What, what, what is it? Yeah. Our Instagram is a uh, protagonist FL Our YouTube is protagonist FL and our Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash protagonist. Awesome. So definitely look us up on there. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, all that stuff. You know, three's a, um, definitely throw us a follow and um, 
check out Fallout from the Chronicle next week. Definitely, man. I look forward to the release. And make sure uh, if you get if you get the pre-save set up or you get the link, send it over and I'll, I'll make sure to pre-save it. Will do. Will do. Yeah, I'm going to get on top of that. Awesome, man. Well, dude, it was good to talk to you for the first time. I appreciate you reaching out. Um, everybody go listen to Protagonist. Go get some punk rock in you. Have a, have awesome, a, man. Yeah, th- thanks for having me. Yeah, ha- have a great day, man. Take it easy and stay healthy. You too, man. You too. Stay safe. All right, all right. There you have it. Peter, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, that was fun. I love, I love movies, man. Movies and video games. Uh. So I'll go check out Protagonists uh, next time we're all allowed to go to shows again. Solid band, man. Good punk rock. And don't forget to uh, check out their new album next week, next Friday. The collection of B-sides and rarities. I love that. That's cool, man. Why not? Why not release a bunch of content right now? All you artists out there. Um... I'm thinking about doing, I'm thinking about streaming Resident Evil 3. Uh, I don't know. I've just been wanting to do it for a while, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to to stream a game. And why not? One of my favorites, the Resident Evil series. And the new one's coming out next Friday as well, April 10th. Uh, And I have the demo for Resident Evil 3. So if you're interested in that, Hit me up in the in the uh, in the DM and Instagram. Let me know what's going on at, at uh, Howie Spangler. Uh, go over to the YouTube channel, Howie Spangler. If you'd like to support the channel, uh, you can hit me up in the super chat on the live stuff, or uh, send a send a Venmo to uh, Howie Spangler if you'd like. Um, and then uh, if you want to support the podcast, go to TalesFromTheGreenRoom.com, and we've got merch, and you can hit the support the podcast button, all that fun stuff. I hope you're staying safe and healthy. Everybody stay home. Let's get this thing over with and uh, get back to the life the way we love it, okay? All right, take it easy. Howie Spangler, Tales from the Green Room. <laughs>